You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month. And you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away, all for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. You're going to hear it really clearly, because this time I don't interrupt too much. How bright Julian Lescott is. Funny, hugely articulate. You're going to hear him smiling, um, looking gratified at the way that his life has turned out. You're going to probably tell people about the way in which he explains his dyslexia, how he's learned to cope and how he's turned that, frankly, to an advantage. This is a lucky man who's talented, determined, who adores music and will explain why. And yes, he does remember what vinyl and LPs were for. He's also fully aware that in being a player mentor at Manchester City, in being somebody who can teach them standards, who can select those that need help rather than just being left to their own devices, he's in work which is going to keep him happy for the remainder of his career if he chooses. This is one funny, bright, friendly, interesting man. I promise you, on my honour, you're going to love this. be used to my uh, style yeah so I may gush a little bit I may get a little bit sort of flowery with my words because I still find this process really exciting so I'm kind of delighted to be talking to you a footballer of real merit a footballer with articulacy and trophies galore but you also win the award for the earliest big interview <laughs> ever but please yeah. can we testify to those who won't believe me that it's currently 7.23 in the morning yes it is and you've had about two hours sleep. Yeah, well, it was probably about four hours. I'd got into bed around half two and then up. Do you know the thing I really six. like? Because when, 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 in the old days, just before I came into the game, journalists and players travelled together. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, when I've been doing TV production with Spain during the tournaments, you, you, you travel with them, so you travel their hours. Yeah. And people don't realise that footballers who maybe kick off at nine o'clock at night in a foreign country in the Champions League or whatever. Yeah. They'll play, they'll come back, get changed in the stadium, they'll do their media duties, they'll file off to the airport. Yeah. I think everybody in the public just switches off their mind then and think, oh. footballers are just kind of like special toys that get put in a cupboard and come back out again. But you wait at the airport at one in the morning like ordinary people, the yeah. bags get delayed, planes don't take off. You get back home, pump full of adrenaline after a two-hour flight from, I don't know, Prague or Moscow, yeah. four-hour flight. And into your bed at 6 o'clock and then it's training at 10 o'clock or 10.30 yeah, the next morning 100%. again. That's the thing. And then there's sometimes, as you say, just touching on the bag situation, if you're flying into Manchester and you're a City player and the bag handlers are United fans, then it tends to take a little bit longer. Things just... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they'll be here in a minute. Yeah, of course. I've seen that in Madrid when Guardiola's Barcelona used to go to Madrid. And, and they would come back. And there's yeah. a particular brand of cop, the Guardia Sevilla, and a particular uniform you can tell. And they're not overly fond of Barcelona. And yeah, everybody would be checked three times, or as you say, bags <laughs> might suddenly be... 
I just need to take a look yeah. in this bag and all done in the best possible taste but that slows you and I, I like the rhythm but I don't think we fully appreciate the internal resources you've got to have to be because if you've had that long flight maybe the next morning's training and, and that's been you know yeah. throughout 15, 20 years of your life next morning's training might be a warm down it might not be ultra intense but you're kind of judged on every training so even if you've dragged yourself out of your bed after a long flight overnight maybe even had to pack the kids up to school or whatever it might be when you come into work after two hours sleep yeah. the next morning, you've still got to be at it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's, there's the, the level of professionalism that comes with being a footballer, regardless of time, sleep, anything, rest. It just has to happen. And as a fan, public probably don't see that, but as players, you just kind of are used to that. And it, it's never, oh, I can't be bothered. Or <laughs> it's never that. It's oh, That's what has to happen. And we have to go in and just get on with it. Because when people talk about pressure, I think they look at football and say, well, our pressure moment is a big game. Yeah. Or the fans are really expecting you to win this trophy or whatever it might be. But it's like a low-level buzz of pressure. Yeah. Every minute of every day while you're a successful professional footballer, in a, in a million different ways, never drop your guard, never drop your standards, mm-hmm. always worried about, have I got the physical resources, have I got the mental resources, yeah. who's watching me, what does the coach think? a teammate better than me just every minute yeah there's a constant there's a constant pressure that comes with playing and that you put on yourself due to the fact that you want to get the best out of your own ability and as I said the way the game's going now it's probably more of a physical demand um, with the speed and tempo of of playing but throughout my career I kind of obviously suffered injury early on so I kind of knew that I would potentially have to work a little bit harder um, physically to kind of just be fit and just be regarded as Oh, he's got a, a dodgy knee, which did happen, regardless. Anyway, regardless of the efforts I put in away from the from the field, but um, yeah, there is a, a constant pressure, I would say, that comes with playing a football. But it's just part of it, and there weren't many players that didn't enjoy all that process. Because as I said, if you don't enjoy the uh, the process, then you can't again live on the reward that comes at the end. It's funny how often we come in these conversations back to the fact that, you, that your biggest competition is with yourself your energy, your standards, your attention to detail. But not unusually for me, I put the chapters of the book in the wrong order because we're here at one of the clubs where you succeeded and where you won your most significant trophies. You're now, it's boots off and the knee can rest a little bit. Yeah. But we're principally here because I'm really fascinated by what you're doing right now at a club which is quite, I think, at the forefront of ideas in modern football. So that I don't misdescribe it, Tell me what your your current role is, particularly with a view yeah. to to, to loanies. Yeah, initially it was called loans team, loans department, but we just kind of want to come away from that because it's just the feel around loanies. There's been some documents and players from other clubs talking about how that makes them feel being known as just the loans team, and we don't want to kind of enhance that for or that feeling. So we're trying to encourage the players to feel we're just part of their development at this stage in their their career so a development team and again being one of the most high profile people on that team I don't want that discouraged the effort and stuff that goes into it from the other members we've got um, a physio Scott we've got a, a strength and conditioning coach Neil we've got another coach Gaz Wally who's played the game Sinan who was roughly two 
maximum two years older than the players he's working with due to the, to the, the connection. Yeah, so, and he had to stop through a life-threatening injury that prevented him from playing. We've got two analysts, Bill Haar and Spanish um, and Sam, and then um, a site called Philippa. And then we're all headed by Fergal Hawking, who's kind of the team leader, and he's been doing this role for a number of years on his own. And the number of loanees hasn't really changed. So there's been times when Fergal's been looking after 30 players a season on his own. He's had to be all them parts of the jigsaw, kind of the physio, the, the psych, the like the mentor. He's had to do it all on his own. And as I said, for a number of years, he's been trying to put this team together. And I've known him before our City careers. We joined City at the same time, but really? I've, I've known him since I joined the Premier League. He worked at Nike, who were my sponsors at the time. And... Okay, we just had a great relationship from then and then obviously joining City in the same summer kind of enhanced that relationship and then he asked me to do this pretty much after I'd stopped playing mm-hmm. which come out as a surprise to be fair because I, I did want to continue playing last season but the options and weren't realistic for me at this at this moment in time and then Fergal asked me do I just want to watch some games and I thought yeah I'm, I'm not doing anything but when I came in, they kind of had an idea of what they wanted me to do before they told me. So I came in thinking, I'm just going to be going watching games for the next few weeks and seeing how that goes. And they was like, no, this is what we're doing. We'd love you to be a part of it. I was like, yeah, 100%. If I could honestly pick a role, this would be it. Wow. Helping, because I had a mentor, Terry Connor, when I played, and I didn't appreciate him until later, later on in my career. Terry Connor? Yeah, he's Mick McCarthy's... Okay. Um, Number two. So that relationship with Terry began at Wolves? Yeah. Um, I was literally coming out of the youth team and he was, it was old reserves then, so he was like reserve team manager. He was the, the guy that kind of helped to transition from youth team reserves into the first team. So I would have been 16, 17, mm-hmm. and again, moving through the system a little bit faster. Back then it was, it was different, but I just couldn't see how he was helping I was just like why is he on my back why is this guy always picking on me to do everything if I make a mistake it's it's highlighted and then I kind of got into the first team and he didn't let up it, it didn't <laughs> stop because it was like well now you're where you want to be mm-hmm. it was like we go again and I was like I can't, I can't understand it is it personal or and then I realised he'd seen something in me and it wasn't until later on when he explained that he thought you'll have a positive reaction to the way I treat you. And not everyone has that or no. had that. And I'm thankful to him for that because it, I wouldn't have been the player I am if, if it wasn't for him. Two things strike me before because we need to come back to what you were comparing Terry's work to in, in Fergal's team and your current work. You said you realised. Yeah. How? Because it had been, oh, he's in my ear, it had been irritating or worrying or... Maybe it even got you a bit chippy yeah. about like he's always on me. How did the realization come? Because it was working, <laughs> and um, obviously my older brother played football, and he'd explained to me that you don't get to complain about anything in football. And again, it was probably not necessarily all the time right in the way coaches and players were handled back then. It was totally different to now. Mm-hmm. There wasn't no safeguarding issues or stuff no. like that. It was like if I tell you to do it, you do it, and that was the way the mentality I had due to the fact that my brother said, if they ask you to do it, you do it. And if you can't, they'll notice that you can't, but you've tried. I was like, yep, yeah, that's fine. I can, I can do that. Mm-hmm. My mum and dad, the same kind of thought process. 
someone tells you to, if a grown up asks you to do something, mm. you respect yeah. that so, and I you recognize. do it. And they was big on that, so I just kind of embraced that. Mm-hmm. And then it was the um, first time I'd met TC, and I'm training. We're doing a canal run, and uh, my first preseason with the first team, I'm 16, I'm new to this, I don't run the way they was running, <laughs> the way the players run back then. And we came to a little through the halfway point of this, this run, and no one was around. Well, I thought no one was around, and I was sick. It was that hard. I was physically sick mm-hmm. on the floor, mm-hmm. and I just thought, I'm sick, so I'm just have to carry on. I'm halfway from home. I can't stop. So I'll just carry on. And he seen that. Didn't tell me till years after. Oh. Okay. And he said, I noticed that, and I thought, is something kidding? Because most players would have just stopped, complained, or begun like, well, I was just sick. I didn't mention it when I got back to anyone because it was just well, what can I do <laughs> I was sick two miles three miles down the road so they're not, we're not going to go back and do anything so I just kind of got on with it and TC said that was the moment he knew or he thought would be able to cope with what it's needed because your character yeah, and but yeah and as I said that was a he'd met me for the first roughly one of the first times we'd, we'd known each other two or three days so for him to kind of be a, that judge of character helped also helped me realise that he must have been in situations like this mm-hmm. To know, mm-hmm. you can't just guess that. And then, as I said, I, I do see myself as quite strong-minded. So, yeah, it wasn't. It was never a hindrance. It was a frustration at times, very frustrated. But as soon as I realised, it made me more determined to to kind of lean on him to to work harder at stuff people didn't appreciate at that time. There was like, like footwork and gym stuff. That was that wasn't a thing. Like people didn't do what's called now pre-activation. You did warm downs, but they would literally massage and you come in and, and that, in that area and probably have a couple of beers. I, I remember when warm downs started and I remember, of course, the media people were laughing. And, yeah. What is that? No. It's, it's, second, it's the, the second day basic. recoveries, yeah. There, yeah. there is like two-day recovery sessions after games that are more intense than others. And as I said, I was kind of coming out of the old generation of thought process mm-hmm. to, to the new era and... As I said, I've seen a real opportunity to kind of enhance the abilities I was looking to have. And, and TC was definitely a part of that. And that's the thing I enjoy now is when I speak to players and I can generally know, feel that they're getting something out of what I'm saying. And that is like the ultimate buzz for me mm. to know that potentially in your 25, 26 and these players are like 18, 19, you're going to look back and think, yeah, he that was right then it's a mini variety of parenting yeah yeah as I said I wouldn't want to say that now because I know at the time as when I was these players ages if someone said that to me I'd be like no you're not disrespecting my parents and my parents to put the, the background in for this amount of time so I, I know what you're saying but the mentor inside of it is the most appealing to me than any other thing and I would look and I would have chose that to be honest before it's, it's fine because it comes out in as well as your words it comes out in your, your anybody who smiles as they say something <laughs> you, you, you know that's yeah. truth and satisfaction coming out it's really you know you're speaking to somebody who's really excited and, and happy with the brand of work he does every day and we're lucky, the three of us around this table, in, you're particularly enthused by that, what you can tr- translate to people and how you can mentor them and guide them and advise them and help them. But anybody who finds that their working day is enjoyable. Yeah.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I wonder if the way that Fergal's incorporated you into this larger team. It suits you. They've, they've chosen you well, and you're somebody, it happens, that went through a mentoring process with, with Terry too. But it feels to me like Fergal's overall aim, your department's overall aim, is, is to try and make the process of what happens to guys who aren't necessarily coming through the steps in their own club much more monitored, managed, productive, helpful. Mm. Um, because we're not just, you've made it clear, we're not just talking about loans, but as a part of Fergal's work, loans might well have been, would have been pretty unscientific throughout the majority of our careers yeah. around football. And now that's not what you or City or Fergal's department wants to happen. No, it's strange because I've, I spoke about this with someone. He was an, um, a youth team player who, funny enough, he's Northern Irish, Gary Everett. And I've seen him here on a, he was on his pro licence. They came over and we were talking then and... I took his place in the youth team at a young age, but we were very close randomly. He didn't kind of say, well, we're competition. He kind of took me on the wing. He's a couple of years older than me, and he was like, yeah, well, if you're going to be that serious, then I'll help you in any way I can. I was, and again, grateful for that. But we were saying that you didn't go on loan back then. There was no loans. If you wasn't deemed good enough for a team, he was kind of released. He wasn't like, go on loan for six months and then possibly come back when you're more capable of, 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 of being able to play at this level it was like he's not good enough so kind of don't want him and mm. he said he kind of felt that he possibly could have had a longer career if he did go on loan earlier um, and there is a science behind what we're doing we're not just sending players on loan because at this moment you're not deemed ready for Man City it's like no we've looked at the science behind pretty much every Champions League player and they've all played men's football first team football at I think it was 18 and a half at an advanced age yeah an advanced age and that wasn't necessarily Messi playing for Barcelona A at them ages it was he played for Barca B but they were playing against men so he had to cope with different things and that is the the kind of environment we want to expose these players to it's not necessarily Man City's facilities, the nutrition side of it, you don't get that awareness, you don't get that provided. It's like, oh, this is a men's, this is a men's world. And one of the players now, I won't mention his name, but we were speaking the other week and he was saying to me, in terms of ability, the, the 23s are possibly as good as the team he's playing with. Mm. And I said, well, how many do you think could play for the team you're playing for? And he said, one, maybe two. I said, don't you think that's weird? He said, yeah, I just, I just said I'd never assumed that would be the case. He said, I just thought it was just stability and that's what it was. And it was never, oh, he was coming on or he was, he was listening to a game. And he said his home fans were booing him. And he said, I was going on thinking, don't get booed, don't get booed. And I said, you've never had that, that thought process. You've never had that fear of, 
I'm gonna get booed by my own fans here. Mm-hmm. Like, or there's pressure on you to to kind of take responsibility. The players are looking at you. It's all right when it's the EDS and kind of everyone's as good as each other, but when they're looking at you to be that guy or to stop a goal going in, it's it's a different feeling. And then they're all aware of that and they all appreciate of the other elements off the field and what comes with playing. That helps. We're talking about obstacles, setbacks, pressure. Um, an opponent bullying you who's bigger than you or as you say irascible fans giving you grief that the gap he was discovering or noticing was that the peers he saw were exceptional footballers who could play in whichever team this is but he didn't think that they were all quite at that level of character or experience to handle the burden of playing men's football oh definitely and and I'm I'm sure they're aware of that but more so here because I'm again working with these players and at pre-season I noticed that possibly 90% should have a career in football. Mm-hmm. The ability they have, mm-hmm. they should have a career. But the mentality of that generation, not just the players at City, but yeah. society of that generation anyway, they don't have the mental process or thought process of it needs to be this, it has to be done this way every day there's no days off and they're probably looking at the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and think I can play that pass mm-hmm. but can you play that pass when you're only going to get one shot in front of 40,000 people mm-hmm. and it may not come again and that's the difference and that's the kind of exposures we're trying to put forward to them it's, it's great when you're giving a, a dodgy ball to Sergio Aguero who can then go past his Madden score but that player's not Sergio Aguero and that ball is half great or half poor and then the defender intercepts that tackles him and then all of a sudden it's in the back of your net can you cope with that and mm-hmm. as I said there's lots of elements off the field as well that come with playing men's first team football because a lot of men and again growing up in the reserves where it was if you didn't play in the first team you played the reserve game on a Tuesday and that was against someone that was even mad that he didn't play so he might kick you and also that yeah and also the fact that He's playing for his livelihood, like mm-hmm. really, like this is. He's got bills to pay, and it's not guaranteed next season. And I need to kind of give it all. And that's the thing that, obviously, the higher level you play at, um, in regards to first team, when you get at any level, it's it's deemed a lot more important to the individual. We came through because you you broadened it out there in a way that I like, and that across this, you know, I don't know how many top level coaches and players we've done in this series. And, I, and because I'm yeah. so much older, I, I often speak to people of my own generation, but you've touched on themes where they, they bemoan the, the change in society whereby a lot of guys who come into, I don't know about girls' football and women's football, I don't know what yeah. transitions they're going through, maybe it's the same. So I speak about what I know, that young boys, young men coming into the game right now will predominantly, one, not have the same remorseless drive and hunger and will to succeed or mm. ideology where like, I'm halfway down a canal there's nobody here the only way is to get my business done and carry on mm. and also m- mixed with the change in a lot of people's behaviour and perception in society the, the fact was that football was, was very much like the worst of the British army with sergeant majors who could bully you mm. who could make your life a misery and who could in an unscientific way poke you until you failed or you reacted yeah. and succeeded so you're, you're taking the fact that football needs those same traits of resilience um, gutsiness, character responsibility self development 
at a time when society isn't actually providing you with the best raw material. Yeah, it, it, again, I'm, I'm aware of most things. I'm, I don't know everything, obviously. I don't kind of say that, yeah, I'm Messiah and I know everything, but I do think there's a generational change. And as I said, it, it's funny because, again, I won't mention names, but I see people on shows and, and talking and they're saying they can't cope with players celebrating a certain way, dancing around and taking selfies. I'm like... In your generation, after a game, you went and had a cigarette mm-hmm. with a beer in the changing rooms and sat in a massive bath for four hours. And I'm like, how is that any better than what these are doing? True. I just I don't understand how you can just uh, judge a player's character because he wants to dance instead of having a cigarette. And there was probably more people taking cigarettes and drinking beer than there is players dancing. Many more. Plus, I've got children i've got a teenage son so i'm a kind of aware of the, the change of how it is it's harder to communicate face to face like me and my son have better conversations via text than we would have face to face and we can be in the car for on the way to football or whatever and not speak and be perfectly fine and then i'll be away and we'll just text each other and it would be again fine but i'm aware of that and not everyone is because there is a, a bigger generational gap in in certain age groups and, and, and people and managers and players and stuff like that. So going back to kind of what it is, this generation, I do feel there's a lot more ability in this generation of players and the fact that it comes a little bit easier to them in terms of ability because ultimately you're being judged on what you can do mm-hmm. with the ball mm-hmm. and most of them can do it when asked. But the mentality of doing it when you're not asked, that's the bit they kind of miss mm-hmm. do it when no one's watching mm-hmm. don't do it because you think someone's watching just do it don't care if oh, is he watching this rep is he, is he looking now so I can put my maximum effort in now when he's seen it but then when I think he's turned his back I'll just slack off a little bit and that's the thing that this generation of, of players and, and younger people I'd, I'd, I think miss I think they're just the self determination to be the best uh, and the ones that do you can see because they come through earlier um, and, and play for longer like Wayne Rooney for instance is one of the most determined players I've ever come across he, he had to win and that's the thing There's everybody wants to win everybody but he needed to win and I was just like wow there is levels there is a, a level of appetite that you need to be that good for that long Ashley Cole the same as like he was the best he could be for 10 years like people can't even think that long people don't even remember what they were doing 10 years ago so to be the best you could be every day for 10 years is, is ridiculous and I just don't think we'll see that anytime soon obviously you've got the likes of Messi and Ronaldo but I just think the impatience in football as well hinders that process of someone like dominating for that long I don't mean to take this away from where we are but because I lived in Barcelona for so long because I interviewed him because I watched his teams because I've got to know bits about him and a lot of people around him aren't we talking something similar about Pep Guardiola not just what he's doing now at Manchester City all those traits you mentioned about Ashley or about Wayne Rooney or that maybe you exhibited throughout your life that be the best win Mm -hmm. standards all the time self driven nobody else needs to judge me because it's all here it's all on me as you were speaking 
<laughs> yeah. I recognised him. Yeah, can you probably analysed it more than, than I have? Because I've kind of made that conscious decision not to necessarily be around the first team as much mm-hmm. because I don't want to be that old pro that's hanging around. <laughs> and I've, I've been there when I'm listening to players talk about old pros. I'm like, wow, that's how you talk about people. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. Nope. So I make sure I'm not around that much. But yeah, to be and to do what he's done, you have to have had that. There's no way. And, and the players and the staff now, I speak to the staff a lot more than necessarily some of the players because there's only like David Silva, Sergio, Vincent that I kind of played with to kind of have that relationship with. But in regards to the medical staff, the kit staff, they're still uh, the same personnel. And they love it. The fact that he's created an environment where you have to be professional. There's no alternative option. If you're not, you will not play. And that's... That's the bit I'm gutted about I've missed. Not necessarily the style of play because we had great times when I played and I was part of the team that won the league. So in terms of the trophies and stuff, that was great. But that side of it, I would love to have worked with someone that demanded it from everyone. And that's the thing I'm kind of envious of is that he seems to be consistent with everyone. And that's not been the case with managers I've worked with or previous managers of other clubs. It's oh, he can do that, but you can't. And I've seen that, not necessarily with myself, but with all players. And Rules you're talking about. Yeah, and I'm less like, he gets away with certain yeah. things because he can do yeah. that where that doesn't seem to be the case here. No, you have to do it. Everyone has to do it or they don't play. or it, it's, it's not, it's frowned upon. I'm like, that's the bit I would love to be kind of under and, and watching. You remind me of, a, I think, a phrase you used when you chose to join City. Because I think you talked then about at Everton, there's we'd like to do well, or yeah. the city, it's an obligation. Even then, yeah. way before what you're saying, and that, you went that club, which was lower in the yeah. table than the club you were leaving at the time. That club is just focused on win, look for the title. That that's have I made the translation right from what you were talking about yeah. to what you felt like then? Yeah, again, I was lucky enough to to meet Chairman Khaldun, and at the time, he even made me feel like I was the most important person joining this club and again he probably did that with everyone I'm assuming he did because he's that way but for that moment that was the case and it just mirrored my thought process of these want to win I want to win they are determined to win that timing of it all was just perfect for me and, and I like seeing people thrive and succeed and you know from that decision you know we title aside and the fun times and the High-level performance and you know reasonable rewards. I'm sure financially. Here you are at his club, still feeling the same way and seeing an augmentation of that desire to win and the standards at a time when you're into a new branch in your life. It's a very satisfying yeah. parabola to, to listen to and to watch for me. Yeah. No. Again, um, they was he was spoke about the club himself. Spoke about where the club was going, and you kind of just because no one's done in a small period of time what City have been able to do in these 10 years that they've been in, in charge you kind of just like okay I kind of understand what you're saying but there's no proof of anything yet because it hasn't happened anywhere and then stuff starts to happen you're like these are deadly serious these are deadly serious about what they're doing and then you realise they have been so successful in pretty much every aspect of their life every other business they've been involved in um, and I hate to say that it's just a business for them because it's not because the way they've changed the community they haven't just developed Man City as a football club 
and I'm not just saying this because I'm part of that, but... There's a, there's a patent investment. Yeah, 100%, and the, what they've done in this amount of time compared... And, I, and again, I don't really want to do that, but I will, to say what United have done mm-hmm. in that is totally different. Like, obviously, now, and United have felt the need to have a women's team where that was standard, that was always going to happen, um, and the successful that has been evident on the pitch um, and just develop the community and obviously partner with so many other clubs and the 10 years that they've been in control they've they've done everything barring win the Champions League mm-hmm. um, they've set out to do and as I said I don't think they're going to stop when they do reach that goal of the Champions League I don't think all of a sudden it's going to be like well we've done what we set out to do now we can rest it's going to be like well what's the next thing what can we do and they're just going to continue to grow Hopefully you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us to become a socio and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview plus regular mini documentaries, not only all ad-free but all featuring me and bringing you interesting, funny, and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory, top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog, he or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead.